Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. And this week we have a good opportunity. We have a great guest. Only problem is he's pre-recorded. So you're going to have to listen together with me to our guest, who is Dove Bauman from Glotmart. From Glotmart, and we're in the store. We're talking about what's involved in a supermarket. And I think it's very interesting for our listeners today to hear Mr. Bauman, who has uh, been in this business. He and his family have had the store for 35 years and uh, been sponsors and helpful to Cautious Magazine and to Cautious on the Air for as long as we've been in business. So without further ado, this is Dove Bauman. Thank you very much. Great to be here with you, Rabbi Wickler. Well, you know, Dove, I think that a lot of our listeners, been in the store, not been in the store, they really are interested in what's going on in a supermarket something a little behind the scenes and that's what we're going to try to cover today uh, let's start with uh, something that's uh, been updated a little bit and you're, in, you're very enthusiastic about it let's start with the takeout department what can you tell us about takeout in general your takeout store give us an idea okay so while many of you were away for the summer or while many of you were enjoying uh, a nice quiet uh, Brooklyn for this summer, but, uh, we were hard at work um, putting together a new takeout department. We brought in a new chef and a new manager, uh, and we, we, we started from scratch, and we really, we really turned the whole thing over. It's a brand, brand new menu. We're making all our own salads. We're making all our own dips. We make our own hummus. We make our own onion dips and all, diff- all different types of well, wonderful new items that we have there. And don't forget the soups, though. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, give us a little bit of rundown on what is involved in uh, in setting this up, and what in which way is it different than it was before. Okay, so uh, really, the key is the fact that we have this. Uh, we have a new chef. His chef's name is Rafi. He's a he's a wonderful Israeli uh, Israeli fellow. Um, he has a lot of experience cooking. He's been doing it. Uh, he's been doing it for thirty plus years. Back back to his days in Eretz Yisrael when he was uh, when he when he was working in a yeshiva. That's where he, you know that's where he started out. But he's got you know, he's got some really great Hamisha recipes. Um, he's really good with the Israeli type of stuff. Uh, like I said, like hummus, tahina. Uh, you know, tomato dips, all the all, all those types of things. He's really good with, and he makes a you know he makes a really good Hamisha chalent, and he's he's he, you know he really has the he really has the full package on that. Very good, and um, but and now you're making your own salads and and putting them out also to sell these salads and dips etc. That we're selling those together with the. Uh, with the other items, right? Right, right. So those those you'll find those you'll find as of as of uh, just a couple of weeks ago, when we you know when we made this change, you'll find all those things on our shelf now. Um, 
they're all made. They're all made by us in our kitchen. Uh, right now, our kitchen is set up in a way that everything's going to everything is made on meat equipment. Okay. So it should say it does say that on the label. So all our stuff is is uh, uh, not flashic. Well, many many of the things are flashic, obviously, but uh, a lot of the items are made on meat equipment. So you you would find that on the label. Okay. Very good. Uh, now, give us an idea a little bit about what the meat department is in, in your store. I mean, you have a very unique setup. I think you're one of the last people who is actually doing meat. Everybody else is buying it and selling it, but you're doing it. Maybe you'll tell us a little bit about that. Okay, thank you, Roy. Looking for that question. Um, really, the truth is, we are the we are the last of the Mohicans in the sense that. We're the last butcher shop that's still really a butcher shop. And what I mean by that is that we're the last uh, of the butchers that brings in hanging meat. We bring in meat typically uh, approximately 48 hours after Shrita. It, it, it comes in delivered, hanging fresh. Amashkiach uh, checks it in. Uh, and then the crew goes to work. Uh, we have till 72 hours. Uh, we use, typically we do it approximately at 48 hours. Usually do it on the second day. Um, I would say 98% of the time we do it on the second day at 48 hour, at, at approximately 48 hours. Um, we break the meat down. We traber it. Traber in in other languages would be nikor, which which is essentially removal of veins. And when it comes to the I will call the back closer to the back half of the animal. There's some there's some fats that have to be removed because of issues of chaylev or close enough to chaylev. Right. We'll call it. Um, so our crew gets to work on that, removing the veins, removing the uh, and removing those fats. Uh, it gets kashered on premises uh, and it, it air dries here. It hangs in the it hangs in the cooler. It doesn't sit in a it doesn't sit in a vacuum bag. It doesn't go on a box. Doesn't uh, doesn't sit on a truck. Doesn't get doesn't, frozen. Doesn't get right. Doesn't get frozen. Doesn't get shipped from from some other country. Uh, so it, it, it's here. Forty you know forty eight hours later, it's it's kashered. You know seventy two hours later, it's it's being cut up, uh, cut up, ground up. So when you come to Glom, or you can be assured that the bulk of your meat, most of the meat that you buy. It ha- is meat that was cashed here on premises with Amashkiach, who has an awful lot of experience doing this. He's been doing this now for, uh, I would say, close to 10 years. Um, and uh, and you can be confident that what you're getting, when you get it here, is is fresh meat. And is it uh, American made, or is it... Okay, something? so yeah, right, okay. The, one time we had only American made. Yes, that is that. That still is the case. There's a, what happens is is like this: is the American meat uh, is known all over the world to really be the highest quality meat available, and the reason why is because um, it, it's fed us, uh, a the a the the uh, the breed is a, is a good, big, healthy, tasty breed, but uh, in America. Most of the cattle is fed is fed with grain. Grain makes it a, a, a bigger, tastier, fattier, softer type of a meat. Uh, so, the American meat 
is not all over the world. I mean, America exports an awful lot of meat to other places in the world. What people have been doing over the years trying to bring the cost down on meat was they've tried to shech meat in all other different types of countries, mostly south of the border, uh, in in uh, Central America or South America. Um, those types of meats, um, typically before they get here, have been frozen for many months. Uh, but what takes a, what what it affects the quality in in the sense that most of the most of those cattle, most of those cattle that were that are being brought here from South America, are a lower quality meat. Talk about they mostly mostly grass fed. They've done an awful lot of walking, uh, you know, in the in, in in the pastures, which develops their muscles, and the muscles are much tougher. Mm. And, and all meat we eat is meat is muscle. Right. So the so 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 the meat is meat ends up being um, quite a bit tougher. So what we pride ourselves on here in here at Glotmart, and it's always been true, is that we carry only American meat, only the highest quality American meat, uh, Ruba de Ruba, which is Black Angus, which is the which is as I mentioned before, you know the the, the you know it's the breed which which lends to that. Texture and the flavor that we, that, you know, that we expect in a good piece of meat—that's what you're getting. You know, that's what you're getting when you at Glomart. You'll find primarily everything we have is is uh, black Angus meat, and most of what we carry is prime. Right. Very good. That's a that's a very unique situation. But uh, in the customer, so the customer is gaining uh, from the freshness of the meat. Gaining from the, the, the oversight of the mashkiach, you know, I've I've been in in supermarkets. I've visited a lot of supermarkets over the years, and uh, in some of them, they don't even have a mashkiach. I know. I They're do have. <laughs> I do have customers that'll come. That'll come. They'll tell me and say, "Listen, I, I, I shop here, and I will only shop here because I know you have a mashkiach." He's like, I, "I, they've been to other stores. They've asked for a mashkiach, and nobody, you know." Nobody appears, and so uh, you know that you know they're they're a little a bit skeptical about I mean, shopping in some. It's funny to me. I mean, how they it, it, people feel that well, uh, I'm only taking in uh, from a responsible uh, meat source, and it gets delivered. But without having that oversight, I know how many times in this store, meat was returned. And meat was trabered further beyond what would came in as, as so-called trabered. Sometimes, you know, but you have to have the eye for that. You have to have an Orthodox Jewish man, a mashkiach, observing it. You can't say my my non-Jewish workers are cutting the meat up and, and it, it came in kosher. Of course, it came in kosher, but that oversight is worth a lot. Yeah, there were problems years ago in a yeshiva kitchen where a certain type of meat was brought in. And the 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 people involved there were just were not knowledgeable in what they needed to do to to put it out in the proper fashion. Uh, something like that won't happen in a store that has a mashkiach that knows his meat and and you know knows things backwards and forwards. And not, nothing can cut. If something comes in wrong, it goes back. And if it's something that is that, that comes in that, that 
that, that you know that yeshlot takana that there's something you can do to you know to to fix it or not something that which is necessarily problematic but it's just something that gets delivered in, in, in a certain fashion that's not that, that, that's not complete yet that you know so he does the you know if you have a mashkiach who knows what to do he does the makabapatish and completes and you know does the, and uh, and uh, does the right thing. You know, I had a situation out of town where they discovered that they were eating chalev. How did they get the chalev? Because they were buying they were buying livers, and the livers were not trabered at the top where the chalev is. So they did it, you know, to save the weight, and they figured in the tra- in the butcher stores they're going to cut it off. But the people who were doing the meat over there, the butcher store, did not have any awareness of trapering, did not know the basics of meat. So they were buying meat that's kosher, coming from a very famous uh, shrita, and it was being delivered, but actually it had the chalev attached to it. A gentleman who came to visit and was asked to sh- shown around to all the hashkachas to, the, to give some suggestions to the kashrus agency walked in and he said, "Oh, I see, it's very nice. You enjoy chalev." The head of the kashrus organization who knew nothing about meat, the butcher who knew nothing about meat, who was putting it out, was shocked, and he pointed out to them, "This is chalev." And the company said to them, "Well, we send it out without taking off the top. You know to cut it off, don't you?" And they never realized there was Sarichela. The entire town had a kasha, all of their all, all their utensils in the house. That's how bad it was. So unfortunately, uh, it, as good as it is that we, you know, progressed, but without having that person aware of meat in the butcher area, it's a really, really a dangerous game. Right. It is key to have a mashkiach who knows his meat, um, liver from time immemorial till now has been delivered with the chalev on it right and without a, a, a and without a, a knowledgeable uh, mashkiach on staff uh, those those types of problems uh, are going to happen over and over and over again unfortunately unfortunately yeah. uh, let's go on to something else what kind of product? Just give us some idea about some things, the products in the store. Uh, what what kinds of products are there that would that you would carry a lot of variety of brands? I see some of them. You have slews of brands here, and others, you know, people are sort of used to, and they like certain brands, and that's where it sits. But where do you find that most interest in additional brands? Did you want to carry more brands? Okay, I guess leaving the meat department, uh, going to the other parts of the store. Um, what's become very popular over the over uh, the last couple of years is people is is bakery products. People come in and buy bakery products, and we carry from all different sorts of bakeries. And people are accustomed to uh, the packaging, the flavor, the some anything particular about uh, about the brand of of, of big goods, uh, the cookie that they like. So I would say on on that note, let's see, if you want to know uh, which items we stock the widest variety on, it would probably be on baked, probably be on baked goods, and secondly, it would probably be canned goods. Canned mm-hmm. goods, uh, 
you can't tell you how many different types of Israeli pickles there are, and 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 <laughs> and, uh, and, and cranberry sauce. Right? How many different brands people want? You know, they want some people want Ocean Spray, but some people, but but there are a lot of people out there that want the Hamisha brands. You know, right. the, the, the you know that want the the Geffen and the other brands. Right. Right. Well, one of the things I saw interesting is that you. I see usually, I'm not sure, but I checked today, but usually you're listing the prices of the uh, of the breads, which I think is uh, a little bit of a plus. They have the, all the breads are stored down there. Okay, that's, yeah. Because that that's a, gives you, gives a person a quick check instead of having to uh, compare. It's really mm-hmm. written there, right, the exact price of the bread. Right, right. By law, we have to do that. You do have to by law? Yeah, by law, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. But that's unique to bread, or that's that's not, not unique to bread to, to anything. I mean, you, you, people want a, when a consumer picks up an item, they need to know what uh, that's on the pro- on the on, on the thing. But you have a little card there with giving an idea of what the, the differences are, which is helpful. Right, a quick okay. look, quick yeah. look, very good. Uh, tell us a little bit about your workers. I mean, a store is only as good as its workers. That's true. That is true. Very true. Listen, we've been around for, since 1977. If you do the math, from 1977 now till 2014, we've been around for 37 years. 37. I thought 35. I'm off by two. You're off by a couple. Uh, you're off by a couple. Uh, we really are only as good as our employees. Uh, we have some employees that have been here from the from the from the get-go, from when we expanded to to, to this spot. Where we are, which is which would be 1981. Wow, we have we have one employee that's still with us 33 years. Wow, I myself <laughs> was a little boy then. I was in yeshiva <laughs> 33 years ago. I, I'm only on the, I'm only on the team here yes, for the last 16 years, but uh, we have uh, 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 most of our meat department are employees that have been that have been here more than 25 years. That that means something about how you treat them, and it means something about what the consumer is going to get, customer is going to get from their service and their their background, and it's not a new game to them. And so it's, it makes a very big difference. What about training some of the workers? I mean, you know, they have to deal with customers, they have to know kosher. It, what happens in that area? And uh, well, maybe some of the staff, especially, train the training. How is how is it set up a little bit in the store? Well, when it comes to when it comes to training workers, uh, we like to get employees that are friendly, have a nice disposition. Uh, we'll help with customers. We'll talk to customers. Um, in terms of training, you know, you mentioned uh, this is a kosher show. You, you do mention, you know, uh, kosher. I mean, they are all on the lookout to make sure that that uh, you know that everything's that everything's kosher. But it's really not so much their responsibility. When, I, when, when the item gets checked in, before it comes, you know, before it goes down to the basement here, mm-hmm. we have somebody who's responsible to make sure that all those items come in, you know, are items that are that are more kosher. So it's not so. It's not. It's not some. It's not strong training that, that they have to have. But they do understand that something comes in and some things can't come in because there are items that that you know that um, uh, a, a brand will have uh, you know six items that are kosher and six items that aren't kosher. So somehow that cancels through the cracks. But they are trained to know that 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 would be uh, 
you know, that that's problematic and that doesn't and those things don't go out. Who are some of the people who are working in the store that we don't see in the front when we walk in? You have some guys in the back, some upstairs. Give us an idea. We also have departments. You also see cooking here and, and different things. So give us an idea of some of the people we'll never see. <laughs> okay. So the so the two guys you'll you'll almost never see. You almost never see the chef. That's because we have. Uh, That's strange. We, I would have thought I'd see him. <laughs> I thought he'd be shaking hands as everybody <laughs> walks in. <laughs> now what happens is like this: is our kitchen is located on the second floor of the building, and for that reason. He's upstairs. In the, he's upstairs in the kitchen. He's also responsible for the kashras in the kitchen. Uh, so he really has to be in the kitchen, really at all times. That the kitchen is at work. So Ravi Perlman, our chef, is someone you'll probably never see. Although he comes early in the morning and puts in a lot of hours, uh, he's not the guy that you'll. That he's not. He's not someone you'll end up seeing. We also have a. a uh, we have more, more than one mashkiach on staff. Uh, one of the mashkiachim we have checks is here just to check vegetables. He's here part time, uh, but again, he hides in the basement with his, uh, you know, uh, with his paraphernalia, with his light box and his and his uh, nylon screen and and uh, and uh, his equipment that he needs to wash. The vegetables first. Check the vegetables. So uh, our mashkiach, who's hiding in the basement, checking the vegetables. Him you'll never see. And uh, often you'll see our mashkiach, the, the meat mashkiach, because our meat department is like on the, is is on the main floor. But when he's in that, when he's in the koshering room, when in the back, you're not going to see him unless you unless you're wearing uh, really really good boots. <laughs> it gets it gets, it gets quite wet. wet back there when we're when we're koshering meat. Right. And give us an idea about how the store deals with the the, the old uh, adage, "Customer is the king." How do, how do you translate that in your store in Glatmart? How do you show us that uh, you're interested in the customer? Well, I'll tell you, in, in any retail business, uh, if customer is not the king, if customer is not not at the is not at the top, uh, business can't be successful. Right. So. Oh, what we try to do uh, through the you know through all our managers and, and and our customer service department is try to is try to is try to get that idea across that customer's always right. Uh, customer makes a request. Customer customer should always be uh, respected. We should always try to get the customer what they want. Um, and we have a um, we have a new impro- new approval. It's, it's been it's been it's been a year already. Uh, we have a new and improved um, order department uh, that, uh, as opposed to some other stores, we take uh, phone orders. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, we'll take fax and email orders, but the, the, there's a lot of personal involvement. We won't we won't send the product unless we're certain that that's what you want. We'll call you up. We'll spend the time to make sure that that's what make sure the customer is getting what they want. Very important. Very important. What about your own personal involvement with the customers and, and in general? I mean, I, I I was in the store a number of times. You know, I, I I've seen where people come up to you and uh, ask you to get this or to do that. 
I see that you that some of the people. One lady told me I'm shopping here 34 years. I mean, she's almost from the beginning. Almost from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll tell you the truth. I learned from my father. My father started this business along with Cherry Shack at 37 years ago. They were they were always on the floor. It was a smaller store at the time. It was a lot smaller when they started 37 years ago. Um, and I, I try to I, I try to I try to make it my point um, to be on the floor at busy times. I try to make I, you know I try to make it my point to say hello to customers. I try to make it a point to make sure that they're happy. I also try to make I try to make it a point to find out you know what it is that they don't like. I what try to get the, I try to get to try to get their you know try to get their criticisms to try to see what we can do better for the customers. Very very good. Uh, let me ask you a secret. What's the best hours to shop so we don't have to have any any slowdown? What's the lowest traffic times of the day or the week? Lowest traffic times of the day are, are before eleven a.m. and typically the last hour of the day. Hour or let's say hour to hour to hour and a half uh, of the day. What what day? When does the day end? Well, the day ends. Well, sun, well, the truth is on Sunday. Sunday, the end of the day is busy because people only make up their decisions, you know, about, about what they're going to have for a Sunday dinner, you know, last minute. So people, so people start showing up five five thirty and, and are here till seven o'clock when we close. But really, the rest of the week, you know, on Monday and Tuesday when we close at eight o'clock. I would say probably seven o'clock is when is when things wind down here a little bit. Uh, Wednesday we close at ten, so I would say things wind down here at about eighty thirty. Things are a little slower, but it's but it's, it makes it, it makes it much more of a pleasant time to shop. When we extended the store hours, you know that was part of the intention was that so that those last hours would not be you know pressurized hours where we'd have to you know push customers out the door or something like that. We do. We set it up in a way that the last that the last hour would always be a, uh, a much more comfortable time to shop. And let me ask you also: I, I see you every week have about fifty items on sale. I, I, it must be an interesting game how you put together what's on sale. Um, what what basically causes uh, you to decide this item or that item is going to be on sale? I've been reading those uh, commercials. Since we started the show, and we try to list uh, some of the items that you that you're selling on sale, what what, what uh, basically goes gets involved in deciding what goes on sale? Okay, so what we make our decisions based on what our suppliers can uh, can do for us. We'll go to our suppliers at the end of a week or the beginning of the uh, beginning of a week, and we'll say, listen, what is it? That you want to sell this week? What is it that you have a lot of? What is it? You know, do you have a new item that, that you want to promote? You have, do you have something where that you have a lot of that you want to you know that, that you want to sell? Uh, so it's those types of items that we'll put on sale. For example, I'll, one week and then might be coming soon. We're gonna. I, I plan on. I plan on bringing in a lot of veal. Mm -hmm. We'll bring it all in. It'll come here within 24 hours of Shrita. We'll kosher it that probably that day, um, and it'll be it'll just be it'll be in a situation where I can get a lot of veal that week. 
If I could buy a lot of veal, I'll go for I'll I'll buy a lot of veal. I'll kosher a lot of veal, and I'll put that on sale. I'll put lots of different items when it comes to veal. So it's necessarily the fact that you're getting a better price, which may or may not be. In it's, some cases, in but some in other cases, cases we're getting a better price. In some cases, it's just the volume. It's a volume. Right. I see. Because uh, it, it, that's one of the, the issues in meat in general is that you can't always get everything you want, especially delivered on time. A lot of times you put an order in and uh, they're running late there or they're, 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 they're low. They can't give you the full amount. It's, it's one of the things that I've heard over the years and uh, that's why most people use multiple suppliers of meat because of that. It's mm -hmm. kind of hard to lock yourself into one. And it's for that reason that we also use multiple suppliers of meat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, though. It was a wonderful uh, opportunity to talk today. We're going to do it again. But I felt that people should begin to hear a little bit about what goes on in the background of a supermarket. And uh, Glatmart has uh, been our friend for many years, and we, we are very appreciative. And we uh, want you to, uh, to, to have the benefit of explaining what Glatmart is doing to, to satisfy the needs of the Flappish community for, I my mistake, it's now 37 years. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me today, Rabbi Wicker. Thanks. So that was a clip we had uh, prepared with uh, Dove Bauman from Glatmart for our show here, Kashrus on the Air. And I'm back now with you uh, live, Rabbi Wickler, uh, and, and you can call in if you'd like to ask any questions. It could be any area relating to Kashrus. It could be about the supermarkets. It could be about... Any of the items that you just heard discussed by Doe Bauman from Gladmont, it could be any of the cautious issues that concern you. You want to tell us a story, something that happened to you, we're glad to hear it. You can reach us at 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And if you'd like to text us, you can do that too at 347 Nine two seven eight three nine eight. For the for that, I have to set myself up, but uh, maybe you'll do it for me. Okay. So uh, if you want to call in seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight to discuss anything you're interested in regarding kashrus, because this is kashrus on the air, and I'm Rabbi Wickler, Yosef Wickler from Kashrus Magazine, and uh, we're uh, here to help you. So. We have somebody? Okay, we have a caller. Go ahead. But you can call now, 718-683-5858. Go um, ahead, you're on the air. Yes. My garlic powder like has holes on the top, so it's not like you could pour out things. And it, it fell on the stove while I was cooking flesh Is the garlic powder thing still kosher? Well, it, it did it. What, did it touch the meat, or did it just be, was just it, inside the uh, oven? It just fell on the stove. Uh, it's still on the stove. You're talking about the stove top, or you're talking about inside the oven? Stove top. And uh, it didn't touch anything that was flashix there? No, it fell between the pots. Well, then I wouldn't worry about it at all, no. But yeah. we do, what the concern you have with the uh, things like uh, uh, you know, pepper and garlic powder is that some people take and they put it over the... Uh, the soup that, or chulant, and they want to put some in, and they put it down too close. If it's in the, about uh, three, four, five inches above the, um, the pot, 
and it's not much more before above that, those those can easily become flashiks or milchiks, whatever the soup is, because it the vapor, what we call zeya, goes up and gets inside the uh, inside the container. So inside there is no real moisture, but it's what we call zeya, which is a vapor. And it's moist, but it's gas. However, that halachically is the flashiks or is the milchiks. And therefore, when you use a... Uh, any one of the spices on top of a, a, a pot of soup or a chalant, you have to really make separate ones for milks and flashiks because otherwise what's going to happen is uh, people are not careful. There's a, there are tricks that every, everyone who's every housewife, every cook knows. You put it on your hand and you shake it in. But if you're doing it straight from the container or you put it on a spoon, but if you're doing it straight from the container, then eventually these things do become flashiks or milchiks. And the same thing happens, of course, with the, uh, with, let's say, a ketchup. Sometimes the people are taking ketchup, and especially the kids, and they're sticking it literally right into the meat uh, or whatever they're eating. And you really do, you should have separate condiments for flashiks and for milchiks. Definitely recommended. So we have uh, all the years. Did it become flashiks, or it's still part of? If it fell where you're saying, it's still parv. But if you shake it over a, uh, a pot of soup or a pot of uh, cholent and you get very close, then we're going to say that it became flashix and it shouldn't be used again for milfix. Okay. Uh, any other calls? Yeah, we have Okay. Could you unconscious on the air? Go ahead, please. Yes, hello. Um, I was listening once, I don't know if it was a week or two ago, about the orange juice. And I was wondering if you could explain what you're supposed to do about the orange juice now. Because I'm just wondering if you're not supposed to drink it. Are we waiting for a sock or something? Okay, let me try to go over it again because some people just tuned in and maybe they didn't even hear it to discuss before. But this, okay. is, this is something that unfortunately is still evolving. It hasn't been resolved yet. If you, anybody wants to call in, you can get us at 718 683 5858. If you want to text us, it's 347 927 8398. All right, the oranges is like this. Uh, now, it's going to depend, you know, you're, going, you're asking me, I'm going to tell you what I understand from our people. I'll explain to you who our people are, I'll explain to you why we're saying what we're saying. But you should know at the same time, other people will deal with it other ways. And it's basically the issue regarding size. This insect is called the scale. It mm-hmm. is found on the outside of the orange. Right. On top of itself, it puts some kind of covering, and then it dies under there. We're saying okay. that we are finding the actual scale insect, not with its covering, not something that may not be him, but the actual scale himself inside the liquid, because what they do is they take the whole peel and the whole business, the whole orange, and they, and, they, and they make the juice out of it and then separate out the peel from it. So the, mm-hmm. in order to do that, when they do that, so it's the outside <coughs> part comes off when it's sitting in the, in the liquid. It, and the, the bug it, comes out. The bug comes out. So and this now, is also the Behemoth Sherem orange juice. It does. What kind of orange juice? It, okay. 
So what, when we, when I would tell you, without doing any experimentation, that it has to be everybody, and that if anybody really has, doesn't have it, let them come forward, and we'll all run to the store and buy that juice, and there, mm-hmm. won't be, and there won't be any for a week, and next week he'll make 20 times as much. That's what would happen if it really was somebody like that out there. So mm-hmm. there can't really be, and it's been already a few weeks or months, and no one has surfaced. I don't believe that anybody yet. So somebody I just spoke to this week who had studied Kashrus over the summer at one of the major Kashrus organizations where they had a program in the summer, he came back and he said to me, listen, all they proved is that this particular orange juice has a problem. But you didn't prove the other orange juices have a problem. Well, I, I agree. You can't, they didn't sit there and study every type of orange juice under the sun. But th- there's no question that the major, a major orange juice company, which everybody knows, has been found to have these. And it's unlikely that anybody else exists that doesn't have it. And I can't, even though we can't say, we can't paskin that you can't use any other orange juice, but you have to use your seichel. Let's Uh say, for example, you find couple, you find two bugs in something. So the Allah says, possible if you only for find, me to find it? I'm going to tell you that. We're going to get there. Let's <coughs> say, for example, it's, it, you, you find two bugs in something. So when you find two bugs, it, halachically, it doesn't, it, it, it's not a chazaka yet. You need three bugs to be a chazaka. But, but when a person starts to find these insects, you know, he knows himself that there's something out there. So okay. first of all, you examine your, your bag. And secondly, mm-hmm. you have to check around a little bit now. Don't just say, I didn't until I eat one and until I find one. You have to use a little seichel. Uh-huh. We, we, we were in yeshiva. I'm not going to mention the name of the yeshiva, but we were in yeshiva, and somebody would, in the middle of eating the soup, somebody would say, I got one. And then another, <laughs> a couple of minutes later, another fellow would say, I got one. Now, one and one is two. So some people hurried up and finished their, their soup. Other people said, you know, you gotta be, you're being a fool. You're just, you put a, you're sticking an ostrich, you're putting your head in the ground and saying, I don't see anything happening. There's no third yet. So, but, but with a little safely, you realize the third one's gonna pop up soon. Uh-huh. So, let me, let me finish the question that you're asking and, and, and try to help you with it. So, this has been going on. For, so we for a while now, and therefore, if somebody is going to tell us that there isn't a problem with their orange juice, then let them come forward. Uh-huh. Now, how could I, as a consumer, tie into this whole thing? Oh, let's go first to the main reason why you don't hear about this being discussed everywhere, and that's because some cautious agencies claim that the size that they're concerned about is the size of a millimeter. A millimeter is small, but a millimeter in terms of visibility is pretty large. The man can see something that is 0.1 millimeter, which is a tenth of a millimeter. He can see it visibly, clearly. It's a dot to him. He doesn't see it as a bug because it's very hard to see something that small, and he can't really see a, a head or a foot, but he'll see the little dot, he'll see the little thing itself. 
when you get a little bigger, you can see more. So this scale is somewhere between 0.1 and a full millimeter. It's about a quarter of a millimeter to a third of a millimeter, like more or less like 0.25 to 0.38. That's the size of the insects that, that they've been finding. So now some organizations say, that's too small. You can't identify it easily as an insect and unless you've been trained and that's not the way we do it. And therefore, they're saying less than a millimeter, we're not going to budge. However, mm-hmm. the accepted opinion, Rabbi Vaya and Eretz Israel, the authorities in general, has been that from point one, it's visible, and that's when we have to deal with it. If I remember back in the 80s when the, we became aware of insects, before that, no one knew a thing. And when, they, when they, Rabbi Bodner put out his video together with Rabbi Gissinger, and they talked about it, they told us the, the idea of macroscopic and microscopic. That's the first time I ever heard of it. Macroscopic means it's real tiny, and I can't really identify it as an insect, but I see the dot. So therefore, I have to look into it. Either don't eat it because it's dangerous, because it might be a bug, or examine and see it's not a bug and then eat it, or the foods that have it on it. So it's, it's your responsibility once it is macroscopic. Microscopic means the only way to see is with a microscope or some other loop or something. You can't even see it without that. Microscopic is not an insect halachically. That's no question. Because otherwise, every second of our lives we're swallowing bacteria. And no one sees it, no one knows about it, and the halacha doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with that. That's not real for us. So we're not going down below to microscopic, but macroscopic, back in the 80s we were told that's an issue. So, but now the issue is, you know, how macroscopic, and they're, they're getting a little bit lost in that. So some cautious agencies don't consider this a real issue. They're saying it's too small. And other cautious agencies are concerned. And many of them are keeping quiet because it's a very hard thing to deal with. What they're doing on their own, I don't know. After last show, some of the people in the cautious world did call me up, and they have adjusted what they're doing in their establishments. I'm not going to tell you what they're doing, but they do different things. Rabbi Vaya explained to us that we could go ahead and make our own orange juice, and there won't be a problem as long as we don't, we're careful not to get any scales in. And the scales are quite visible on the outside of the orange. If you don't see any of the brown or discolored areas, you're not going to be a problem if you cut it and you're careful with it. You can go ahead and squeeze your own oranges. But how would I know an orange juice in a container is actually uh, have in it uh, a scales? The only way is for me to go ahead and to try to get them out. So what we would discuss here is if you have a 70 mesh size of a a strainer, and you don't even have to have a real strainer. You just had a piece of mesh that is that 70 mesh. If you buy a piece of uh, material, that 70 mesh, which you can get, and you can get a strainer that size, but you can even get the material, and you can put it through, let's say, a strainer, you know, a plastic strainer, and it will trap everything at that size. So at the 70 mesh, you're going to start seeing these. It's going to trap 
some of the uh, pulp that's in the uh, orange juice, even though it says no pulp, it has pulp. And in, in between it, somewhere around, you're going to find these things. So what you do is you take it a 70 mesh and you strain out what you can. And then you put it onto uh, a white cloth and, you know, make it spread out. And you will begin to see these. How many will you see? In a container of orange juice that has been strained, the average is four to six bugs per uh, per per container, so that's that's what we're finding right now. Nobody's on. She's off already. Okay. So if you'd like to call us, we you can call us at seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. The phones are open. You can call. You don't have to talk, discuss bugs. You can talk about something nice. You don't have to discuss meat. You can only discuss supermarkets. Just call us at seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. We have a, a text over here. How do they check for veggies in tomato sauce? You don't have to check in tomato sauce. We don't have a concern as far as we know. Um, something else I can't read that wasn't clearly written. Let's go on to uh, another point, something that to share with you. We're getting questions always. Where, how can I study about insects? How can I learn about it? How can I know? I want to do it for myself, for my family, for my group. I want to do it. I, I, I want to know. So how can I know? So for the men, I have a simple answer. If you want to study it, it's not a game. You, you have to really learn it properly. You can train one-on-one -on -one with Rabbi David Goldstein. That I can set up myself. You can reach us at 718 336-8544 at the office. That's our office, Cautious Magazine, 718-336-8544. You can call us, and we'll set up a program between you and Rabbi Goldstein. It costs money, and it takes time. It's going to be a good four or five hours, but the beauty is you can keep up with him, and people do. They spend a lot of time helping the different people. Is very interested and motivated to do this, and he is the expert in the field in this country, as far as I know. And now that's uh, for men. For women, we don't have a program, but what we do have is that if you contact me, 718 336 8544, I can put you in touch with people who do train. Uh, we're trying to set up some kind of program, which may we do ourselves, but if not, you can go. I suggest you get a small group together because they're going to probably charge you some money and you, you'll be able to handle it. It's not going to be that expensive, but a small group of, I don't know, three, four, five to 10, whatever the number is, but no large numbers. Uh, you can set up a group and have somebody train you and we'll try to help you find that person. So that's uh, how you might be able to go further in, in this whole area. We have another caller. Go ahead. You're on Kashrus on the air. Can I help you? Yes, well, when you were speaking before with the person from Glotmart, uh, I was wondering, uh, you, uh, you, I, don't, I don't think you got to the details how the takeout operation operates clearly. I was wondering because I've, I've been to many, I've I bought uh, uh, an order to quite a few orders of, but not just a few dollars, and you, you go into the kitchen and you only see non-Jews working there. Literally, okay. not one I'm Jew I'm going to tell you what I saw. I, after I finished, 
with Dove Bauman today, as I did this this morning, I walked into the kitchen to meet Rafi Perlman. Let me see what's going on here. And I got mm-hmm. a full tour. I don't think you're going to get the tour. I don't think they're going to take all the customers up to see the. But I, I had a tour. And there's no question. The first thing that he said to me is exactly what you're saying. I have to work very hard because I'm, he's there 8 to 10 hours a day. And he, wow. considers his, he considers his job to watch all of the other workers like a hawk. Now, beautiful to tell you, everything was done in one, one area. It wasn't spread out. Everything could be handled by one person. He could be a working person, and he could also watch them. It was very, very easy to do. And they were set up in a way, they were like on a, a line, uh, you know, they're working on a table, and they're all working in the same area. It's very easy to observe what they're doing. And then saw him, you know, instructing people to this and that and the other thing. And he, he is totally on top of it. And as, as Dove mentioned, I don't know if you caught that line, Dove said that he's the mashkiach inside the kitchen. Well, he's a good right. man. This man is a yeshiva fellow, a, a, a person who learns Torah. I uh, got a, a, a former guy from Eretz Israel. Now, the, we're talking, you have the right person doing it. I don't know who does any of this in another establishment. I've never really gone into the kitchen in the other supermarkets I've been in. I've gone to a lot of departments, but I never went into the kitchen. So I don't know how they prepare foods over there. And I wouldn't be surprised if a certain number of them buy things that are ready-made, cut, take them from the refrigerated section and cut them up and, and, or lay it out and serve it. But here, everything is really being made fresh. That, that I saw, and there were some very interesting items. If you want to know, I saw some stuff I never saw in my life. He's making something with, uh, with, a, uh, with eggplant, uh, like, a, like a sandwich, a, a meat inside. And there are interesting yeah. items. He was showing me some of the things he does. So, no, he is, in that store... I can't talk about history. I never walked in the kitchen before. They are on top of the issue that you're raising. And there's no question that when you have non-Jewish workers, they eat other food. They may be eating the food at the same time. They may have their hands that are dirty. They may have this. They may have that. And, you know, there's, there are things that you really want to observe. So it's very, very important to have somebody there all the time and somebody with the ability to watch because a lot of people yeah. get lost in their own work and are tuned out. If, if, thank you for the information about Glotmart. And I was, when I was saying about, uh, you know, you said you would never walk into a kitchen, but I've walked into quite a few kitchens and also in the back of bakeries. And I can, I can actually tell you that there wasn't a Jew in sight, literally. That's, that's a very big problem. And we talked uh, a week or so ago about the problem that there, they, that one, one, one place now, uh, a yeshiva in our area, has let go their uh, mashkiach. Mashkiach, if they say the cook, yeah. And they have a cook instead. Now, a cook instead is if, if it's somebody like Rafi who's on top of the situation, so I feel good. But in a yeshiva setup, it's not a small room, it's milchiks and fleshiks and walking between from here to there, a lot of workers and uh, several kinds of meals being prepared at once. It's not an easy game. We have a... I I prepared 
Um, I, I met with somebody else. We prepared a tape uh, you know, that we'll play in a few weeks, maybe even next week, which talks about this problem in some of the facilities, camps, and yeshivas. Yeah, you, what you're talking about is real problem. And, and when you, we have a cook and the place is big, it's very hard for that cook to do his job and to supervise. It's really a, a, a right. 100% better to have a mashkiach on top of it. And I, when I talked about today on the tape about this thing with the mashkiach being in the kitchen, uh, being in the, in the meat department, I'm very turned off because there was a meat department I visited recently in another supermarket where there's no Jew at all in the trabering room. Everything is being done without anybody even examining the meats. And, wow. You know, it's, no, they, they, they bought it from a good source. So they, they feel that, that you know, if we bought it from a good source, so it came in good and the, and the non-Jews can cut it up and put it into packaging, and I don't need anybody in that room. And I think it's ridiculous because there are a number of things, as we mentioned on the, on the tape, there are a number of things you can catch. I think a, a lot of consumers would do well to investigate <laughs> is... Where is the mashkia? Right. right. I, you, one, one second. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, yeah. Well, well, last thing I was concerned about, especially in the back of a bakery, it's early, late at night, early in the morning when, there's no, when no one, the owner went home and there's no, no, nobody except a few non-Jews finishing up the work, is let's say that if, uh, do the cautious agencies of the owners have a system about to make sure that if the fire goes off to, that the Jews should turn it on? How could you rely on, you know, Bishal Akim, um, or Mepas Akim? It's a very big problem. Uh, the Russia's Chala and the fires, etc. This is something that every conscious agency tries to deal with. But, you know, uh, there's a certain... Chaz- let, let's take, for example, the Bishal Akim, it asses the food. Pas Palter is a little bit easier. But there's a problem right. that most people don't realize. The din of pas palter is only if it's a goy who owns it. But when the dough is owned by a Jew, then that's called bishalakum. It's a it's a, the beginning of uh, in in, in uh, the beginning of second chelik that discuss it there. I believe it's the shach. It's a very very interesting topic that the that the, the you, know, you call it bishalakum. If it's the dough is owned by a Jew and the goy is working on it, so and so uh, yeah, you're 100 percent right. These agencies have to deal with those issues. I thank you very much for the call. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much for your show. Really, uh, it's, it's enjoyable and very informative, and really put uh, gives me information I need. Uh, thank okay. you so much. Okay, keep listening. We have some um, some great stuff prepared for the next two weeks. All right, you have another caller. We have another caller. Okay. But before we have the call, let me just mention quickly that we have our J Deal and J Root special, which is going to continue for another week. And that, I uh, hope, for just one more week. Uh, if you'd like to get the magazine, which co- comes out five times a year, Cautious Magazine, all the information that you need as a kosher consumer, uh, you, you can get it at a special rate. The regular rate is $25 for the year. And this special for the next week or so is $15. That's a tremendous savings. It's the same deal we have on J Deal. So we're putting it also here on J Root. 
And if you're interested, all you have to do is call us at 718-336-8544, 718-336-8544, or email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com, and we'll set you up, get your credit card information, we'll set you up as a subscriber, and you'll be getting the all-new 2015-2016 Kosher Supervision Guide, which is being printed as we talk. Right now, it's in the printer. It's 200 pages. We have 1,000, this is the new number, 1,269 kosher supervising agencies worldwide. That's the new magic number, 1,269. And it's a great book because you can use it to find anything, information about any place in the world because you have contacts now across the world. And it's a, it's a very, very good book. It's set up with a pictorial index so you can look at the pictures and see the symbol and identify who it is. And then you're sent to a certain page and you have all the information about that organization there. It's a very helpful book. That sells for $12, and it's included in the subscription, which is going to be just $15 for the next week. So call us at 718-336-8544 or email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com, and uh, then you'll be able to have that. I want to also just mention before we go, and that is that we have three shiurim a week on kashrus, which I think people would enjoy very much. We'll start it backwards. Thursday night, we have a, a group that's learning Basa B'chalav. So that's a very, very good group for people who are interested in beginnings of Kashrus. Basa B'chalav, it starts at 8.30 for to 9.45. And the shear is in uh, the Avrechem uh, Minyan, which is 1114 Avenue O. That's east between East 12th and Coney Island on Avenue O, 1114 Avenue O, 8.30 to 9.45, Marav following. And we have two shiurim on Sunday, one at 10 o'clock in the morning, and that is at 1358 East 13th Street between M and N. Again, 1358 East 13th Street between Avenues M and N. And uh, that's at, at 10 o'clock till about 11.30. Sometimes it goes a little bit later. And then Sunday night, we have a shear back at Avrechem, 1114 Avenue O, which deals with, uh, these are Taruvis, and that's again at 8.30 to 9.45. So you have Sunday night and Thursday night at Avrechem, 1114 Avenue O, at 8.30, and you have 10 o'clock at 1358 East 13th Street, where we're learning uh, Taruvis in the morning on Sunday. And we have a shear after that shear on Sunday in the morning. We have another one at 11.30 till 1. We're doing Hilchas Muksa. So if you have the time, you send your husband over, or if you're a man, come yourself, try it out, see if you can learn something in the Safer and go home with something in the Safer. And some of the people use these to prepare shiurim. They use them to prepare for smicha. So until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, and you can reach us during the week at 718-336-8544.